Thanks for joining us for the Fight for Your Marriage podcast with Charlene Steinkamp. This is a place where you can find hope for your marriage through Jesus Christ. Did you listen to the words that you just sang? You split the sea so I could walk right through it. I am no longer a slave to fear. You feel fearful tonight. We're no longer slaves. And you need to own that and stop letting the enemy tell you that you do need to be filled with fear because that is not from God, that is from the enemy. God is for us and he can make a way. And it's hard to remember that when we're in the middle of the hard times. When we're in the middle of the sea and the waves are crashing over us, it's hard to remember that we serve a God that will separate that sea in his perfect timing. What are you in the middle of tonight? Are you in the middle of standing for restoration? Are you in the middle of waiting for an absent spouse to come back home? Are you in the middle of wishing that you would hear from your spouse and you would have some communication? Are you in the middle of praying that the restoration that happened so long ago would finally take growth and that you would have a godly marriage that you've longed for? Middles are hard and middles are tiring and they're filled with a lot of unanswered questions. Beginnings are where it's exciting and beginnings are where it's fun, right? Even diets, the first day of a diet, that's exciting for like two meals and then you're sick of it. I love the beginning of a calendar year in January. You start that new calendar and you're just got fresh hope. There's nothing on that calendar. It just looks so nice and promising of what's to come. I love starting a new to-do list. I love beginnings because beginnings are full of hope and promise. They're full of things that we don't know that are coming and we can wipe away the past when we have a new beginning. But in the middle is when doubt starts to creep in. Middles are hard. The middle is where I tend to give up. In the middle is where I forget what I'm aiming for and I lose sight of the finish line. I lose sight of the promises made and I lose sight of who God really is. Turn with me in your Bible to John chapter 11. And we're going to go through a long chapter here, but we're going to kind of skip through it. It's the story of Lazarus. And I'm going to read it from the um, Holman Study Bible. So John 11, and we'll start at verse 11, or verse 1, excuse me. Now a man was sick, Lazarus from Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. Mary was the one who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair. And it was her brother Lazarus who was sick. So the sisters sent a message to him, Lord, the one you love is sick. When Jesus heard it, he said, this sickness will not end in death, but it is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha, her sister, and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Then after that, he said to the disciples, let's go to Judea again. Skip down to verse 11. He said this, and then he told them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm on my way to wake him up. Then the disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will get well. Jesus, however, was speaking about his death, but they thought he was speaking about natural sleep. So Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. I'm glad for you that I wasn't there so that you may believe, but let's go to him. Then Thomas, called twin, said to his fellow disciples, let's go so that we may die with him. 
verse 17. When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away. Many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them about their brother. As soon as Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Then Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Yet even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Your brother will rise again, Jesus told her. Skip down to um, verse 32. When Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and she told him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Those are bold words, right? When Jesus saw her crying and the Jews who had come with her crying, he was angry in his spirit and deeply moved. Where have you put him, he asked. Lord, they told him, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him? But some of them said, couldn't he who opened the blind man's eyes also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, angry in himself again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone was lying against it. Remove the stone, Jesus said. Martha, the dead man's sister, told him, Lord, he's already decaying. It's been four days. Jesus said to her, didn't I tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? In my Bible, next to that, I have the word faith written there. Verse 41, so they removed the stone. Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you heard me. I know that you always hear me because of the crowd standing here. I said this so that they may believe you sent me. After he said this, he shouted with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out bound hand and foot with linen strips, and his face was wrapped in a cloth. Jesus said to them, loose him and let him go. What looked impossible and what they thought was a hard middle was actually God orchestrating what he was doing. 17 years ago, I was in a yucky middle, one of many that I feel like I've been in. I was 34 weeks pregnant with my first set of twins. That's another story because I've had two sets of twins. I'm like Noah, I tell my husband we do things two by two. I was in the hospital having been admitted for high blood pressure, and they decided they were just going to leave me there as long as they could and get the baby safely to delivery. And I complied for a couple days, but then my body decided it was time to move on and time to have the babies out. And so I became very sick. The doctor decided that he would schedule a C-section for Saturday morning at 10 a.m. And Friday night, the night before, I thought I was dying. I had um, preeclampsia. The, I, they had not been able to control it. I was having symptoms from that. I was having a reaction to the medication. I was just sick. I was as sick as I had ever been. I called my husband in the middle of the night. I called my mom in the middle of the night, and I was nervous. The nurse came to my bed, and she said, we have a doctor here, and he said he can deliver you right now, but nobody will be here. So you'll just have the babies now and your family can't come, but it will at least get you on the road to wellness. And I thought, these are my first kids and I'm having twins and my husband needs to be here. And so he said, you can wait and we'll just give you more medicine. And I decided to wait. It had been a long wait getting to that point. And so by this point, my mom and my husband and my dad were already awake. So they started heading to the hospital 
and we waited um, a little while till the 10 a.m. clock came, and I felt like I was stuck in the middle waiting for my death because I was so sick. Um, my parents were scared, my husband was scared, and I was scared. And that morning, 10 o'clock came, and my dad was actually the one that pushed my wheelchair down the hall, and we went to the operating room, and the doctor um, performed a C-section, and Kyle and Kayla were born. Immediately, because they were so early, they were taken to the NICU, and I was taken to the recovery room, and here I was, waiting again. Scott and I had waited a long time for that moment. We had gone through years of infertility, and we had gone through testing and surgeries and a miscarriage, and I thought that my moment was finally there, but I was waiting. I was in the same building as my babies, but I still could not be with them. Scott brought me a Polaroid picture. Do you remember what those are, those little <laughs> things that come out? And it was a picture that was in their incubator, um, a picture of me in the recovery room, and I had the two Polaroid pictures of them. He was the go-between for me in a recovery room and for the babies in their NICU. And eventually, several hours later, they let me be wheeled to the NICU so that I could see them. And the moment that I grabbed their tiny little fingers, every moment that I had waited for that second vanished. It was as if it had never happened. All the tears that had been shed, the days that I had decided I couldn't go to a friend's baby shower, or I couldn't go to the mall and watch another 15-year-old mom pushing a baby around, all of those days were gone. Every moment that we have waited for a promise to be fulfilled will vanish when we reach the end. James 1.4 says, Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. God is our provider, and he doesn't want us to lack, even in those hard middles. Psalm 145.16 says, The eyes of all look to you, and give them their food at the proper time. Not at my time, but at the proper time. Your open hand, you open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. When Lazarus died, Mary and Martha thought that Jesus had failed them. In John 11, we find them frustrated that Jesus had not shown up on what they thought was the perfect time. They were waiting in the middle. Jesus arrived four days later. I mean, four days after a death. You think there's no hope. You think it's done. It's over with. They both said to him, if you would have been here, this wouldn't have happened. Have you ever whispered that to God or shouted that to God? If you would have blank, this would not have happened. If you would have blank, I wouldn't be in this situation. If you would have just blank, my spouse would be home. Jesus answered to them in John 11:40. You need to circle this in your Bible because it says, "Didn't I tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God?" 4 days after his death, Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead with three words, "Lazarus, come out." Joseph is another person in the Bible that had a long wait. In Genesis 39, we read about Joseph being falsely imprisoned after Potiphar's wife accused him of misconduct. He was falsely accused. He was despised by his family. He was punished, even when he was the person that had done the right thing. Do you ever feel like that? Sound like something you've gone through? Being accused of things that aren't true? 
Have you been abandoned by a spouse or abandoned by a relative or abandoned by your church as you go through this journey? In Psalm 37, 7, the Bible says, be silent before the Lord and wait expectantly for him. Do not be agitated by the one who prospers in his ways, by the man who carries out evil plans. Every moment we have waited for a promise to be fulfilled will vanish when you reach the end. The Bible tells us in Genesis 39 that God was with Joseph. He granted him favor. Have you seen the favor of God in your trials? The wardens even had favor on Joseph when he was in jail. But Joseph was still in jail. He was still stuck in the middle. And his middle was that jail cell. And you might feel like you're in a jail cell right now. Was God capable of rescuing him? Absolutely. But he had a bigger plan. Remember John 11? Didn't I tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? In Genesis 18, we find another couple that's stuck in the middle, Abraham and Sarah. They were stuck in the middle for a long time as they longed for a child. And in Genesis 18, we find the Lord appearing to Abraham. Abraham was hospitable, and three men appeared to him as he offered to wash their feet. So Abraham did what any man would do and said, honey, go bake some bread. <laughs> and so Sarah went in to bake bread as Abraham sat with Jesus. In Genesis, let's look there, in verse um, 9, Genesis 18, I'm going to read a couple of those verses. They ask, where is your wife Sarah? There in the tent, he answered. The Lord said, I will certainly come back to you in about a year's time, and your wife Sarah will have a son. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance of the tent behind him. Abraham and Sarah were old and getting on in years. Sarah had passed the age of childbearing. So she laughed to herself. After I have become shriveled up and my Lord is old, will I have delight? But the Lord asked Abraham, why did Sarah laugh, saying, can I really have a baby when I'm old? Is anything impossible for the Lord? Has God called you out when you've laughed at him? <laughs> yes, he's done it to me. At the appointed time, I will come back to you, and in about a year, she will have a son. Sarah denied it. I did not laugh, she said, because she was afraid. But he replied, no, you did laugh. God could have saved them the hardship. They could have had that child early on in their life. Abraham was 100 years old when they had a child, but God had a bigger plan. So do you trust God's bigger plan? Do you trust in God and in his character and who he is? If so, you know that he is for you and he's not against you despite what you feel on those lonely days. He's on your side, and he wants the best for you, even when we laugh at the ridiculousness of his plan and what he's asked us to do. So today, what are you in the middle of? Are you in the middle of waiting for your spouse to come home? Are you in the middle of waiting for an apology from somebody that you love? Are you waiting for an explanation from someone? Are you waiting for an unsafe um, spouse to surrender to God and to come back to you? What are you in the middle of today? You may want affirmation and acceptance and approval from your spouse, and one day that may come, but God is truly all that you need today, and he can meet your needs. 
He's the only one who can give you that affirmation and the approval that you're longing for. You're not going to get it from your spouse the way you want it. They cannot meet the needs that God is designed to meet. So while you're in the middle, you need to know that you're not alone, and he's with you, and he's carrying you through it. And he may be allowing this season to last longer because there's some cleaning that needs to happen. Just like we clean out the closets in our home, we need to ask God what needs to be cleaned out and those hidden places in your heart. Where are you not fully surrendered to him? Where are you holding on to things that you need to be giving to God? When we look in the mirror in the morning, we see a reflection, and there's no hiding that reflection. It shows every wrinkle, every hair out of place, every gray hair. It shows the truth when we look in that mirror and see that reflection. And when we're in the middle, we need to trust God and look in his face while we're waiting for that stone of circumstances to be removed from what seems like a grave. We need to be reflecting Christ when we're looking at him. When we're looking in the face of Christ, all we see is his reflection. Let him show you what he wants from you. Let him show you how you can be made in his image. Let his reflection be the only thing that you see. So you're not looking beside you. You're looking straight into the face of Christ. And that happens when we spend time with him, when we get quiet before him, and when we sit alone with him and study his word, and when we talk to him and commune with him, that's when we can really hear from God. God's given you an assignment, and for most of you that are in here, that assignment is to stand for your marriage and to stand for restoration. And you need to ask God, what needs to be cleaned out for that assignment to be fulfilled? It may mean letting go of a friendship that dishonors him. It may mean an addiction that you've gotten involved in. It may be an idol that you've allowed to take the place where God is. And that idol might be your stand. That might be the most important thing in your life over your relationship with Christ. And that's not how he wants it. Didn't I tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So my question tonight is, what stone is blocking you from seeing God's glory? Just as Jesus removed the stone from Lazarus, he can remove the stone of circumstances that's blocking the tomb. What is in your heart? What are you asking God to show you? It might be disbelief. It might be fear that we were just singing about. It might be anxiety or addictions, unforgiveness, bitterness. In a minute, we're going to close as we usually do with prayer. But before we pray, I'm going to ask you right now to just quietly, we're going to have a time of prayer. And as we pray quietly, ask God to show you what is the stone that's blocking your heart and what needs to be removed so that you can see his goodness and his glory. Every moment that you have waited for a promise to be fulfilled will vanish when you reach the end. So let's have a time of prayer right now. God, we come to you tonight. And Lord, we know that there's things that are hindrances right now to, to a relationship that you really want us to have. And God, for some of us, it's anxiety and it's fear. It's fear of the future and it's fear of the unknown of what's lying ahead. For some of us, it's things that we're losing because of the, the demise of a marriage. It's things that are being taken away from us in a court and things that have 
happened when we've had to move out of a house. Lord, I pray whatever that is tonight, that we would just surrender it to you. God, I pray that just as you removed that stone from Lazarus's grave and you said, Lazarus, come out, that you would do the same thing for each and every marriage here. God, we know this room reflects many different homes and many different families, and some are just at the beginning stages of struggling and noticing that things are not right and it's not the way it should be, and others are divorced and it feels like their marriage is is just like Lazarus. It's dead and it's been too long. And God, we know that you are the one that can restore. It's nothing in our power and in our might, but it's you in your power. And God, tonight, I pray that you would just prick every single heart in this room, Lord, and convict each person of the area that we need to fully surrender. Lord, we know middles are hard, and it's not easy when we're in the middle. It feels like we're never going to reach the finish line. But we know that you have a perfect plan. And when we get to that point, Lord, we know that we will rejoice. God, it seems so hard when we're on this earth and living day after day in heartache. And we know that this is just such a vapor of time and that what we are really looking towards is eternity. So Lord, I pray that you would just protect each family that's represented here, God. I pray that you would protect the person that is standing and praying for their family. And I pray that you would keep them pure, protect them from the evil one who would want to give them discouragement and despair. I pray that you would just help us to look towards the future and to be so heavenly minded that the things the enemy tries to throw at us on earth do not even phase us. God, tonight I just pray that you would help us to just remember that we have stones that you can roll away. Just as you rolled that stone away, I pray that you would just help us to not forget that you're not a God of 2,000 years ago who did amazing things back then, but you're a God who does amazing things today. And we thank you for that. We thank you for each and every person that shouts those testimonies and those praises of what you've done from the rooftops, God. And Help us to be able to see those things, even when it's little things, Lord. I pray that we would just be so focused on seeing you around us that we notice the little things that are happening. God, as we continue on tonight, I pray that we would just continue to be blessed as we're here, and I pray that the enemy and what he's trying to stir up with confusion would not happen, and I just pray that marriages would go towards the cross tonight, God, even if it's one spouse drawing a line in the sand and saying, I'm not going to give up, and I'm not going to give this marriage to the devil. I pray that you would just help us to have that tenacity. Sometimes we need to fight for someone who doesn't know they need to fight for yet. And I pray that you would just help each and every person in this room to be willing to be that Noah, to be the person that seems crazy now, but they're fighting and they're building an ark for a family and for future generations. I pray that you would bless their obedience. I pray that you would bless their um, perseverance as they continue on. And I pray that they would just be able to see your blessings poured out on them for their obedience in your life. In your name, amen. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts or Google Play, be sure to subscribe so that you're notified when a new episode is released. And if you enjoyed this podcast and you found it beneficial, will you submit a review so it will help our rankings and other people will be able to find it? If you want to reach out to us, you can do so from our website, again, www.rejoiceministries.org. Write us and tell us how you enjoyed this podcast. If we can help you in any way, we invite you to visit the website of Rejoice Marriage Ministries at www.rejoiceministries.org. Thanks for joining us today as we proclaim that God heals hurting marriages. 
Divorce strikes families around the world, often with little notice. You can help us minister to these families with your financial gift. Visit RejoiceMinistries.org and help us teach men and women what Jesus can do for their hurting family.